Hey, everybody. You know, Steve and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and a whole lot longer than that as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, to heal betrayal trauma, and to reclaim your relationship. And we've gone ahead and poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you guys have done on your journey for healing and recovery, we guarantee you have never done anything like this. You know, we've made all the mistakes so you don't have to. Please don't reinvent the wheel. Guys, come on, let's get real. Tomorrow never really comes. Don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on the PBSC Podcast. This is episode 152. Uh, we don't often address uh, issues with regards to kids and teens, but we had several PBSC listeners write in to us with some specific situations, and I wanted to just paraphrase a couple of those. Uh, one was uh, an individual who has gotten into his own recovery from pornography and sexual addiction, mm-hmm. and he has uh, he has uh, kids, a six-year-old, four-year-old, and two-year-old. And another one on the way. And kudos to him. He does not want to have repeated with his kids the same things that happened with him with regard to sexuality as he was growing up. You know, he specifically says, he says, I don't want to just have, quote, the talk with them. And he, he says, how can I how can I interact with my kids as they grow up so that they they grow up with healthy sexuality? Mm. So he he wants to be preventative rather than creating a culture that has a you know a high possibility of producing addicts. So he wrote in to us about that with these uh, these little kids, and then another uh, individual wrote in who is a couple dealing with the, the husband um, has had a porn problem for twenty one years of their twenty six year marriage. It's recently come out. He's gotten into recovery and seeking resources. And he also wanted to be honest with his 16-year-old son about his struggles. And lo and behold, when he was, his 16-year-old son said that he himself has had a porn problem since he was 12. And now they're they're saying, how do we handle this? How do we do it in the right way? Yeah. But both of those inquiries came in recently. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting topic. You know, this is, as Mark said, this is, you know, our... We're coming up on three years of this podcast. We're four weeks shy of, of our three-year mark. And 
we we haven't really addressed this topic to my knowledge here and so it is kind of a good opportunity to be able to it tackle is. that and it is a huge issue um i mean make no mistake about it mark and i we do not specialize we're going to own the fact right out the gate guys we do not own uh, we do not specialize in the treatment of, of children and minors okay um, both of us have worked with them in the past, but it is not our forte by any means. But we, you know, just by the nature of what we do, we work with couples and families all the time who are dealing with these very issues and definitely can speak to some good resources and at least the approach uh, from a parental perspective of how how you can start looking at this. Because, you know, as I talk to parents and, and Mark, I'm sure you're in the same boat. I mean, this is one of the most difficult subjects, I think, for parents to broach uh, with their kids. Uh, and it's been that way. It seems since the beginning of time, you know. Yeah, um, it's always been a been it been an awkward topic. I think when it comes to you know parents having having discussions with their kids around sexuality for a variety of reasons that we're going to talk about. But unfortunately, we live in a world where that, it, as everybody knows, is just becoming more sexualized by the minute. And you know, when we talk about you know really scary stuff, especially involving kids, you know. The average age of exposure for for somebody to pornography just gets ever younger. That statistic keeps changing. Um, you know, if you look at the studies out there right now, conservatively speaking, that those uh, or or on the on the low side, that average age of exposure is somewhere around the age of six, with even conservative estimates being around the age of eleven, kind of on the more generous end. And uh, I mean, we we as parents, parents very much live just in a completely different world from the last generation. Yeah, and we have a we have it's fairly common among clients that uh, Steve, you and I deal with, where uh, they were exposed to, for example, age five. Absolutely, quite a few Absolutely. clients where that was the case. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a tragic set of circumstances, and for sake of time, we aren't going to get into all of the devastating things that uh, that can do to a developing brain because it does cause a whole bunch of rewiring on a deeper level like the sum and total of it is is that the earlier on exposure or addiction sets in the more potent the addiction and the more difficult it is to overcome mm -hmm. just exactly. across the board exactly and so uh, that's probably the best way to summarize that so in our brief time here we're going to try and tackle this quickly um as always our time on these podcasts is limited which is why we've made this amazing program <laughs> mark and i uh dare to connect uh, if you haven't tried it out, guys, we would lovingly invite you to please come and do so. We tackle topics like this in depth and in an interactive level with addicts, spouses, and couples three times a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, as well as with uh, now added 90-minute uh, support groups for addicts and spouses on the weekends. Um, it is a one-of-kind, one-stop shop recovery program, unlike anything you've frankly ever seen. And uh, we're growing by leaps and bounds. We'd love to have you guys come try that out. You can find more information about that at daretoconnectnow.com. We do have a two-week free trial going on with that. And our and the price on the program will be going up at the first of the year. More on that later, but would love to have you come join us and lock lock in the current rate for that. Um, but uh, but if we do dive into this briefly here, um, really what we're talking about, right? And 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 I'm I'm excited to hear Mark's take on kind of jumping into this is we really need to flip the script on the way that this sex education in the home happens. I mean, because the old way of doing it, frankly, let's be honest, it never really worked, but now it's really not working. And so there is a huge, a huge shift here that needs to happen. And, and uh, we're going to kind of get you an intro to that today. Well, and the great challenge with, you know, the, how do we interact with our kids with on the topic of sexuality? One of the great challenges that it seems like our options are, these exaggerated extremes, you know, at, at one exaggerated extreme can be this very rigid, 
um, you know, religious approach, uh, which, which creates all kinds of issues by itself. Of course, a big giant shame factor, which is a powerful component to creating addiction. Yeah. So there's that whole, that whole religious end of things. And we're not, and please don't misunderstand us. We're not saying that all religious approaches to this issue are wrong or, or oh. harmful or whatever. We're just saying there can be some big extremes out there. I was raised in a home where a very rigid, shaming, you know, puritanical religious approach was a big part of fueling my my addiction. And yeah. so there's that extreme. And then you jump to the other extreme that we're faced with today, which is the culture, this highly sexualized culture, which basically says anything goes, it's all good, right? And this, this very open, free-flowing, spontaneous approach. And there are some really big extremes on that side. Yeah. And I feel like you're, you're caught in a vice grip between those two extremes. So where do oh, we find absolutely. the balance? Well, I agree. And, and when it comes to kids as well, one thing to mention as well is that in, in this, I'd echo this from my own childhood. Mark and I grew up in similar circumstances that way is growing up for me, there was a real, like the only way I can put it is there was a real mystique around sex, right? There was just this real, like, it was kind of this forbidden fruit topic that was out there that nobody wanted to talk about. It was inherently secretive. And, and, you know, kids are naturally curious. Teens are naturally curious. Teens are wired to what? Push boundaries and find their own way in life. And kids and teens have a way of gravitating to the stuff that's the, the elusive, you know, the secretive, the, the mysterious. And so we oftentimes in, in conservative cultures, without realizing it, we actually very much set the stage for the very problem that we're trying to avoid. Um, and so when we say flipping the script on this whole process, the age and, and the research is now showing this, the age, the age of, you know, talking about sex in, in back rooms and in very hushed tones, and it, it needs, needs to change, right? In Mark and I's first book, The Pornography Paradox, I remember one of the chapters that I wrote was titled, Because Something is Sacred Doesn't Need to Also Be Secret. And there is a big difference between those two. I think many of many people that I, many of the clients that I work with, have kind of confused confused those two topics. Something can be a serious topic while still being open, and that is what the research is showing. If we're going to inoculate kids and and younger generations against the issues that you know many of us are currently facing from our, in part from our upbringing, then there are definitely some things that need to change. And the and the first one is that uh, we need to go from either not ha go from either having an isolated sex talk if it happened at all right that this one time sort of monolithic event that is really bizarre and out there uh to that needs to be become an ongoing uh and needs to become an ongoing conversation that starts very early on if you go back to those numbers that i quoted you know that 6 to 11 range is the first age of exposure if if even if we're being generous if you are that means that if you are talking to your kids about sex at 13 you are at least two years too late. Yeah, actually more like, you know, six or seven or eight years Agreed. too late. Yep. And so this mm. needs to be happening very early in an age-appropriate way. And sex needs to go from becoming a convert, like a, like a one-time discussion to an ongoing conversation. Well, and it needs to go from always – the thing about as I grew up, and I still, I still see this today, you can see in a lot of families, whenever the topic goes to sex, there is, an, there is a palpable shift. Oh, my gosh. A palpable shift in 
suddenly people's faces change and the mood changes and the tone changes. And it's like, oh my gosh, right? Yes. And, and we've got to work on changing that. I, I like to say, and I know Steve, you believe this too. If if kids are going to have a healthy, a healthy view of their own sexuality, it's got to start with the parents. Absolutely. How do we as parents feel about all of this? How comfortable or uncomfortable are we talking about the human body and body parts and right, the exchanges uh, that happen with all, all of the different human interactions? Have we addressed our own baggage and our own issues? so that we can be very comfortable and natural and healthy, right? This is this is not a taboo topic. This is not something to neither to be talked about in hushed tones nor, you know, shouted from the rooftops as you parade yourself naked down Main Street. It's it's neither of those things. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful part of humanity. It's it's a it's a marvelous part of of what we're made, how we're made and how we're designed. <clears throat> and we need to get to the place where we can start making it that normal and natural and healthy and beautiful in our homes. But as parents, we've got to do some adjustments to our own mindsets about this and yeah. can confront our own baggage in order for this to really work. Absolutely. Cause it does bleed down uh, from, from, from the top. Um, you know, kids are, are emotional sponges. They, they learn, if you will, norms on many topics from, from you. And they are, and even if you're not intending to, they are looking to you for the, for the cues on, on different things, including, you know, how a subject like this is approached. I'll, I'll use my story as a key example. I, my dad was a CFO of a company, very high powered kind of individual. He was a leader in the community, held a position within our ecclesiastical faith group. I'd, I'd heard my dad have really intense debates and discussions with business partners and things on the phone before. And I remember the day he sat me down to have the sex talk. First, he took me into the pet, into my parents' bedroom, which you only went back there kind of, unless you, you didn't go back there unless you were like in trouble. That like sort of wasn't <laughs> right. a place you went very often. And cause that was kind of off limits <laughs> to begin with. So we're already in kind of this weird setting. And I remember, I remember he sat me down. I, my dad is an amazing dad. And he, I remember him distinctly sharing the right things. Right. He said the right stuff. But what do you you know what I remember 10 times more vividly? He looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there. He was so awkward and so uncomfortable and so like it couldn't keep eye contact. And I just remember thinking at the end of the conversation, I distinctly remember him putting his hand on my shoulder and saying, and if you have any questions about this stuff, I hope you'll come to me and we can talk about it. And the only thing I remember thinking is there is no way on God's green earth. I am ever discussing this with you again, because I have <laughs> right. never seen you so uncomfortable. And even though he didn't intend to, that was part of what helped to make up this shame-based framework around sex is right at this early age. It's like, Whoa, this is a, a weird topic, you know? And that was on the back of the maturation night in sixth grade, where they showed us a bunch of biological charts on the screen, threw a stick of deodorant at us and sent us home. You know, and that was the sum of the sex talks in, See, in, in public of, education. Both of those scenarios, it was something was off. Something was it wrong. Was this so is different. Weird. This is treated different. <laughs> and if we, if there was one thing that we could give to all of you parents or future oh. parents is please, please, please get to the place where you, you bring yourself to your own sexual healthiness, where you can just make this a normal, natural, beautiful part of daily family life. Yes. A natural part of conversation. 
when things come up about body parts or what this kid heard at school or what somebody saw online or whatever it is, you just, you just make it very normal and natural. The thing that if I was to give one rule, and I know, Steve, you feel this way too, at all costs, and I mean at all, all costs, you must do whatever you have to to keep shame out of this equation. Mm. Do not link sexuality and shame. If you do so, then this is where we start to set kids up Absolutely. for future dysfunction. I'll tell you what happened to me as a little kid. <clears throat> My mother, unfortunately, experienced a lot of sexual abuse as she was growing up. And so she had an enormous amount of shame around it. And I remember as a little kid watching television and, of course, you know, in commercials or programs, you'll have women who are, you know, wearing low-cut attire. And so there's cleavage showing and my mother would literally freak out. Mm. She would see the woman, you know, with, with the cleavage and she would just go, she would just start shouting and calling the woman, you know, a whore. And here I'm, you know, four or five years old. What do you, what message do you think that's sending me? It's like, oh, wow, there's something really, really crucially important about this part of a woman's body. And what it said to me is, Mark, you need to pay attention, right? You need mm. to be on the lookout. Cause there's something really, yeah, there's something really bad or wrong or so it set me up, mm, it set me yeah. up. And I can tell you to this day, one of the parts of my recovery that I, that I have to keep a close eye on is this obsession with breasts mm, yeah. about it started when I was four years old and my mother's outrageous emotional reaction. Mm, it's great insight. No, it's so true. And Hopefully you, you guys are relating to the, some of these examples that we're giving probably more than you want to admit. I'd imagine for many, <laughs> many listening, um, this, this, we, we really do have to change things. You know, I looked at my sister, my, my sister is actually quite, she knows about my history and, uh, she's married. She has uh, three young kids. We were talking about this not too long ago and she is really just kind of done an amazing job with how she's shifted this conversation, knowing my background and, what I do and we've had conversations and things. Uh, if their kids come to the dinner table and they bring up a bring up like a word that they heard at school, some sort of sexual term, whether it's crude or otherwise, uh, her, she and her husband will in an appropriate way, they'll address it like right there. And they'll say, well, you know, that, that actually means this. And it's not something we typically talk about in public, but I just, we, we want you to know that this is what that term means. And, you know, if, and we'd love to talk to you a little bit more about it, uh, you know, about when it's appropriate to use that or not or whatever, right? But it's just something that they address immediately. If I had ever gone to the dinner table and said, Mom, what does blank mean? My parents, no joke, they would have looked at each other, grabbed me by the arms, dragged me back to that same bedroom I told you about. And I would have gotten like a crazy stern talking to about we don't ever discuss that kind of thing. Exactly. And it, and it would have just reinforced that notion. But that's what the research is showing is that the opposite of that, where we tackle that head on, like I said, like like my sister does, uh, where we age appropriately, we 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 keep the conversation on the level, and we 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 treat it like a topic that is that is applicable and that it's it's not awkward. You know, sex is the most when you think about it. Is there a topic that is more universally applicable than sex? It's probably like one of the few topics that man, woman, whatever it it applies to everybody. But it's also, hands down, probably the most uncomfortable topic for everybody on the planet. It's like this weird dichotomy where we all have to deal with it in some way. But we were so awkward in, in discussing it. And 
And so the more you can send that message of like, look, this is normal. This is good. This is a healthy part of life. The more we can reduce that, uh, that overall, uh, that overall culture that too many of us grew up with. Yeah. Um, but just, and again, make it a, make it a shame-free daily yes. dialogue because you can't catch up on this stuff when your kid's 14 and in a crisis. Totally. You can't, you can't make up for all of those years that the, the, nor, the normal natural dialogue wasn't going on. You, you have two choices when it comes to this subject, parents, just being really straight. You can either teach your kids or, or you know, the, the, the porn world will teach them for you. Yeah, the culture, their peers, the locker room, you know, the playground. The Those internet. are the options. You yeah. know? They're going so, to be taught. Yep. In one There's way no way other. around that. It's just who's going to be the primary influencer. Absolutely. And I know we got to wrap up here, but uh, hopefully we're kind of giving some just initial uh, shots into how to kind of maybe breach this gap or start to make that change or tweak it a bit in in wherever you find yourself at. We do want to give you a couple of quick resources as well as we wrap up, uh, because resources, admittedly speaking, when it comes to minors and teens, they are fairly far and few between. They are in this area, um, unfortunately. But we do we do have a couple that we want to give you. Um, We don't we rarely do the specifics like this, but we know that they're so few and far between. We're going to do that today on the program. The first one is an organization called fight the new drug. Uh, Some of you may have heard of it before. Um, It is an organization that specializes in essentially taking the message about pornography, uh, which they classify as the new drug and rightfully so, and taking that message into communities, into schools. They do presentations all over the United States and maybe even elsewhere. I'm not sure about the topic, do a, do a very good job. There are tons of resources uh, for parents and for teens in terms of video clips and really well done other other resources and things on their website. And you can find that at fightthenewdrug.com. Um, and then there is, for, for the more younger kids and for opening up discussions about healthy sex, we're not saying this is the only resource out there, but this is the one that Mark and I, I guess you could say vet as much as we're able to. There is a, a a books, I want to call it a series. There's two books. I guess it's not quite a series, but there the book is titled Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And there's a teen version and then a junior younger kid version. And they're the same book, but but done in an age-appropriate way. The book is written, the books are written by a woman named Kristen Jensen. You can find their stuff on Amazon. Um, and they're a really good kind of introduction into walking both yourself as a parent, but also opening up that dialogue and that conversation with your kids about how to age appropriately start to tackle this, this tough topic. Um, so, and last of all, you know, we had the, the PBSA listener whose 16 year old son is caught up in this, you know, fight the new drug is a great resource. And if you can, you know, uh, find a, a, I know it's not easy, but a qualified experienced, qualified child, you know, teen therapist that specializes in this area is critical. Not just some, you know, not just the run of the mill, you know, counselor there, but someone where this is their expertise. Yeah. So absolutely. our last, our last uh, insight. Yeah, no, that's great. Guys, as always, we, we love and appreciate you. Appreciate you sending in our, your questions to us. Please continue to do so. You can send in questions if you would like those answered. It'll be briefly on the podcast at uh, pbscpodcast.com. There's a contact form down at the bottom there. Uh, and, and again, we would love if you like what you see on the on the podcast, if you enjoy these episodes, frankly, take that and 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 multiply that by a factor of. I don't even know, 15, which is the amount of content we offer you week to week in the Dare to Connect program. 
Uh, we would love to have you and your either addict or partner spouse come join us in the fight for breaking free of this thing and really being done with this mess in your life. Um, we've been there. We know how it works. We've done it all the wrong ways. You don't have to do it the wrong way. Um, don't reinvent the wheel. <laughs> come yeah. come, come join us at Dare to Connect. You can find more info at daretoconnectnow.com. And uh, with that, guys, have a have a great rest of your week. Yep. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.